Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's Ask the Expert webinar, Invisalign Profitable and Clinically, clinically Effective with Dr. Paya Matai. You will earn two C hours for attending today's program, and you will receive important instructions on how to obtain your CE certificates at the conclusion of the presentation. Additionally, C hours will automatically be added to your Invisalign doctor's site account. Please allow two to four weeks for C hours to appear on your account. Please know you're able to listen to today's program via the webcast, and throughout the webinar, you will have the opportunity to ask text questions, which our presenter will answer at the conclusion of the presentation. I apologize in advance we're unable to answer everyone's questions since our time is limited, but we will follow up after the program to answer, answer any outstanding text questions. Today's program will be archived in its entirety one week from today on the Education tab of your Invisalign Doctor's site, where you may also access archived versions of all of our previous Ask the Expert programs anytime for CE hours. It is now my distinct pleasure to introduce today's speaker, Dr. Pai Matai. Dr. Pai Matai reached the level of Invisalign Elite Provider in 2007 and has been treating Invisalign patients since 2003 at his private practice in Laguna Hills, California. His perseverance and research spearheaded him into four dental journal publications. He recently received the top clinical presenter from the American Academy of Cranial Facial Pain Symposium in 2012. Dr. Matai received his dental degree from Tufts Dental School, ranking first in his clinical class with a Harvard externship. So without further ado, I'll turn the program over to Dr. Atai. Dr. Atai, you now have the floor. Good morning, doctors, and good morning, team. Those of you who are listening to me now, and I'd like to kind of take this few minutes to thank David and the Ask the Expert Call program to inviting me. I do have one quick uh, comment to make, and I do see that my computer is actually locked up, David. Um, I want to make sure that our presentation is always on a good start, so let me go ahead and get started with explaining to you what we're going to be talking about today. First and foremost, most of the doctors that are attending this course have taken some Invisalign treatment planning, and they have done some work typically on the patients that they've seen. Now, my goal today is talking about whether or not we are profitable in doing this and clinically giving you some tips and some expert advice, if possible, in moving these patients forward and making sure that we are attending and we are doing the standard of care treatments, and most importantly, understanding that what we see every day in our office is something that most patients don't understand. I know a lot of speakers have always talked to doctors and talking about, you know, slowing it down for patients or talking in, in simple words and terms to patients. Now, in, in my practice, I've always been very comfortable in explaining to patients words like malocclusion. In my practice, I've been very comfortable in using words like crowding or spacing. So most importantly, it's always best ensuring that the terminology we use every day in our practice is something that we understand and our patients can understand us. And what I've seen uh, in, in one of the, as I've been on the road and talking to some of the offices, most of the information that I get from doctors are typically we have an issue with, for instance, pricing with our patients. We have an issue with is, 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 in doing these types of treatments, is it, is it worth our time? The statements and views and opinions are of my own, and Align Technology may not endorse any of these statements. So let's go ahead and attendees uh, understand that uh, you are responsible for the marketing and referrals that I'll be talking about. So as we advance forward in starting with what you've learned, as I mentioned earlier, and some of the topics that you are uh, in the CE1s that we call them or, or clear essentials that you're learning, and uh, we are always trying to figure out what is some of the aligner-only treatments. You know, I know that you have learned about some of the maybe buttons or maybe some of the tads, but in my practice, I like to keep things simple. And simplicity, as we advance, is, is, is something that we are going to get better and better and later on take some of those advanced cases. In this case, Waylene, who came into my practice, she didn't think that there was anything wrong with her smile. Culturally, she felt comfortable. Uh, she does have a overjet, and her posterior bite and curvus V do look a bit 
um, skewed. So talking to her and un- making her understand that there are options for her was not something she wanted to have done. It was simply a financial decision she had to make. And, you know, it took us probably a good three years in finally convincing her that there is an option. And it took her really three years to, to continue and making sure those payments. And when you see these slides again and again, the cases that you see on the upper left, Carol's case with the spacing or as of space, the midline corrections that I like to do in my practice, and also the posterior occlusion. I approach all of these as candidates as simple cases. Now, I've always been preaching all the time to doctors, and who is the best candidate? Which case do we understand and do in our practice? And clearly, I like to go abide by a couple of case selection rules. And in the, uh, as we advance forward in our Invisalign treatments, uh, we get to see some of these case selection, selection checklists that I've put together, just understanding the arch width and transpalatal spacing. Tooth mass, whether or not there's enough spacing or crowding that we can correct with aligners only. Improving the overbite and the overjet. Now, understanding the vertical changes, meaning intrusions or extrusions, whether or not there's a crossbite in the patient's jaw or anterior lateral crossbite. Sometimes you've seen these. And what I like to call bite setting, because that's what we're really doing when we're doing these Amazon treatments. Occlusion is a part of that, but we're really setting the patient's bite and making sure that angles classification of that class one, class two is stabilized enough when we go into the retention program. Now, when you look at these 10 checklists, it's very hard to put a number associated to it. So what I always like to do is just take the periodontal probe and have your hygienist as we uh, advance uh, into the next slide you see the periodontal probe becomes part of our main instrument in having treatments done where you can actually look at the crowding or the spacing. You can actually see the overlapping, as you see in this canine, uh, on tooth number 22 and the overlapping of 23. When you look at the periodontal probe in checking the amount of overlap horizontally. This is simple. The hygienist is not only checking the gum line, but she's also checking the crowding and spacing. And we do this every six months on our patients in what I like to call the malocclusion checklist. And we simply apply how much crowding or spacing they have in a simple little checklist in the patient's chart. So as you see in the next slide, we actually go through and put a number value to these arch widths or the molar to molar, what I like to call the transpalatal spacing, excessive spacing, amount of overbite or overjet. So we have always applied the simplest, which is six millimeters of crowding or less becomes a simple case in doing Invisalign treatments with minimal interapproximation or IPR. If you have an overbite or any kind of overjet of four millimeters or less, and if you want to do a midline correction or a crossbite of that lateral we talked about or some of the other teeth, of two millimeters or less. Now, rotations, those are one of the challenging movements, but 30 degrees or less. Now, this is a rule that I apply to my practice at all times. So when you're looking at these teeth that have been uprighted or expanded within this line, as you can see in the slide previous to the treatment, you have the gum line where it's actually receded. You actually have the gum line where there's recessions involved and the abfractions. As you start to upright teeth or expand them with the liners, I know I can do that predictably of at least two millimeters. These are the predictable arch expansions that I can do without any adjunct or auxiliary treatments. And it will give me that predictable movement of teeth in getting a harmonious arch that you hear all speakers talk about. What do I use to measure that? A cotton roll. I actually use a cotton roll because a cotton roll is 38 millimeters in the actual size of it. Now, the arch palatal space that's required is about 38 millimeters. So in needing the pressure, space, and time, of teeth movement necessities, I know if a cotton roll fits in that upper palatal area of tooth number three and 14, I can now upright or what we like to call expand up to two millimeters. And that'll give me the amount of space that I need for that transpalatal spacing. So in terms of tooth movement necessities, 
these are what we need. We definitely need to have some sort of a force that maybe a wire and bracket do uh, in, in wire and bracket type treatments or as some sort of a template where the teeth can actually move into position, and that's what we get with our template, with attachment templates placed on with the most predictable movement from the coronal portion of the tooth. And yes, we are moving roots, folks. So we can actually do the uprighting with these types of different optimized attachments. So the spacing issue is always a question. Well, do I need the IPR? What do I IPR with? I, I don't like interapproximation. Let me put this in perspective for you. You need to make sure that there's a light contact between all teeth at all times. Our interapproximation with Invisalign starts at 0.2 millimeters. When you see your ClinCheck review of 0.2, the assumption is that there's always a light contact of 0.1 in all teeth. Most orthodontists, as they do these types of treatments on teens or preteens or even in the phase treatments that they do, they're always having a light contact. You need to make sure that that happens. Now, I like to use the hand strippers because of a 0.2 or 0.3, as we see on the um, slide, that on that tooth number 23, the patient himself has done some wear on the incisal distal third of the tooth. And those of you who are listening and looking at the slide right now, you can see that there's probably about a good millimeter of wear on that enamel. And the patient's still alive. The patient's still doing fine. There's no problems with the patient. However, there is some wear. We are taking two-tenths of that millimeter and interproximating it. Now, that's typically what I always like to advise the doctors. The fear factor is what we worry. One of the advice I have as we advance to the next um, is that we can actually use a floss in coloring it brew. How do you do that? You can take the floss, use the Vaseline and wet the floss, make your floss, uh, your articulating paper, rub it on the floss and you, that color, that, that carbon color will now be marked on the floss in between the contacts. Every time the patient comes into our practice, the assistants already have gone through and checked the contact. When I sit down, I see that there's a blue marking interproximally. Wherever there's a heavy contact, I simply IPR. That's always something that I do, even though the ClinCheck software has not advised me to do so, because I want to have that space for the teeth to move into. Again, the space is important. Very light space, not a visible space, just a light contact to the floss as the teeth are rotating and moving, don't hit each other. I also have another instrument you can use, and this I actually picked up at Home Depot. You can pick up one of these instruments, and that would be a little bit more fearsome to the patient, but I just thought it would be a fun show to show you that, uh, it, that stripping is always a fear factor. In the American Journal of Orthodontics in 2009, they took 375 patients and they actually interproximated their teeth of 0.5 millimeter on each surface. Now understand, our aligned defaults are 0.5 in the contact, meaning you can take 0.25 of each tooth. And as you see in the next slide, the conclusion was that the teeth recrystallized by saliva itself. And if you added some fluoride to it, that actually helped the crystallization of the enamel. There was no cavity risks, and there was no deterioration of the enamel. So most importantly, we actually can IPR teeth up to 0.5. We do not. We do only 0.25. So those of you who are listening who have been patient with us this morning, I have a quiz question for you. And here's the question. Should Invisalign treatment hurt? Should we have pain when we're doing Invisalign treatment? So keep that pause to yourself. I'm going to answer your question. Yes. Absolutely. I would like to have as much pain as possible because the concept of time and the concept of pressure is creating those macrophage activity, creating the osteoclastic activity, all of which have what's called cytokines that we studied in dental school. Inflammatory process that starts is what we're trying to get the teeth into. We're trying to get these teeth to move. We want to add pressure. So what happens? The patient calls the office and says, I have pain, and simply the doctor says, no problem. Take an Advil or Motrin, and that should reduce your pain. And as you can see in my next slide, absolutely no way should you advise your patients to take any kind of anti-inflammatories. We need inflammation. Tylenol maybe, 
but I would not tell them to take an Advil or Motrin because this is what's going to cause these patients to have reduction of inflammatory process, reduction of the osteoclastic activity, and reduction of the tooth movement that we're trying to achieve and getting those Sharpies fibers out of the way. That's the goal of Invisalign treatment. So you always want to advise your patients, if they have a little pain, Tylenol only. No type of anti-inflammatories. So let's go ahead and do a couple of treatments. I've put up a couple of cases, just patients coming through the door. We're going to talk about these patients, talk about their financials, talk about Brian, who is one of my patients. I've known him since he was seven years old, and this patient was advised consistently to his mother to seek orthodontic treatment. Due to finances, they couldn't do it. And as I see him grow, he actually developed a class two occlusion. And I always like to talk about a patient's jaw like a box and a lid. So you have a lid that fits passively on a box. Picture a shoe box, if you will. Now, in this particular case, the lid seems a little bigger than the box. Now, in his smile line, his biggest complaint was that I look like doofus. Dr. Tai, how could you let this happen to me? And looking at him straight, I said, I've been telling your mother to take care of it. They did get a couple of ortho consults. However, they were not pleased with one, the pricing or the wire and bracket treatment. So he developed multiple malocclusions on the anterior. So what are some of our options? Applying the 246 rule, I understand that his anterior teeth are his biggest concern. However, posteriorly, he has a class two occlusion. What I can do is simply recline these teeth back. I know predictably I can bring back four millimeters with just simply reducing the overjet with aligners. Any additional would, call, would be either we need additional IPR, interproximation, or proclination of the lower anteriors to get that extra 1.5 millimeter space closure to have that anterior perfect coupling. As you can see on the slide that I'm looking at, he does have a class two posterior bite. He was advised of possibly doing some interproximation by the prior orthodontist or doing some bicuspid extraction, both of which he did not want to do. So he came back to my office in needing and seeking help. He's now mature enough where financially he can afford it. So we advised we can interproximate and try to finish maybe in a two millimeter overjet overbite not having an ideal anterior coupling, but enough to have that 2.5 millimeters that you see on your screen, just possibly trying to close it with additional interproximation of the anterior, all of which he was okay with. And clinically, we know that we're only taking away 0.3 uh, IPR inter interproximally contact. So as we move forward in his treatment, we want to make sure that the anterior coupling is ideal. Otherwise, if we have a heavy anterior occlusion, we can have some problems in the TMD portion of it, where the anterior meniscus might come forward, and now the patient develops a clicking or popping. So knowing the functional harmony between the upper and lower condyles, my goal was not to necessarily worry too much about the class two bite, but try to give him the anterior coupling to get that lid to that box fitted passively. Moving forward in his treatment, our, as we see, he started to have much better lining, but the posterior bite started to get light, which is very common, doctors, when design treatment, because I myself am a victim of not doing too much IPR. As you can see on this photo, there is an occlusion issue on the canines, on the cuspids of both sides. That means the canines are hitting heavy anterior. So what's the treatment? Very simple. Distal of the canine, we have to do some interproximation, lingualizing all the lower anteriors, which then at that point the upper jaw and the upper teeth will now lock in in that perfect coupling. Again, going forward with his treatment, we see progressively as the aligners fitting on much better. He's now 11 months into treatment. And as we take the aligners off, you can now see his final conclusion in the next slide that his anterior coupling turned out to be beautiful. Posterior bite is settled nicely. We did have to do the 0.3 IPR distal of the canines. As you can see, the lower canines are now lingualized further than the upper. We knew that we're going to have a little bit of a 0.2 anterior coupling over jet over bite, which is fine, but the arches are nice and harmonious as everyone talks about. Every speaker you hear about the U-shaped arch or different types of uh, designs. And my idea, as long as the teeth 
fit on the ridge that is the best fit, which is what we learned in setting dentures. Upper teeth fit just buckle to the upper arch, and the lower teeth fit right on the ridge. This is the treatment plan for all my patients. Otherwise, they have a skeletal issue. We can't change the skeletal issue. In this case, the class two bite still remains, and what we have is a much better anterior coupling and a much better smile. So in his treatment, the success story was 11 months. His treatment could have been better when he was younger, but doing a little bonding and a little composite on the anterior, as you can see, number eight, he had chipped and fallen off his bike. That was actually a bonding I had done when he was seven years old. That's when I saw him. That tooth stayed until later on in his life, we actually did the Invisalign on him as he can afford to do so himself. These patients do not go away in our practice. They are married to us doctors. You have a few of these and team members uh, in your practice that they use money as a problem or an excuse, but it's really our own fear factor that we are stopping these types of treatments. Now, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about the deep bite. So we've covered the crowding of six millimeters or less. We've covered the overjet. But in this particular case, we've got some rotational forces and we have a lid that is actually bigger on the front again and another class two bite. Now understand, no rubber bands were used on any of these patients. These are Invisalign treatments only. I, to this day, do not advise my patients in trying to do rubber band or distillation because I don't know to do them how to well. So it's either they have the wire or bracket orthodontic option, or I can do the Invisalign only option. All these patients have gone and seen the orthodontist and typically they come back if they seek to doing the Invisalign. In her particular case, she was a surrogate mother, and she wanted to kind of, while she's cooking, she'd like to have her teeth straightened. Perfect patients. And a lot of doctors talk about these rotations. As you can see on the canine and tooth number 27, as the rotation is greater than 30 degrees. How can you tell what is 30 degrees, Dr. Atai? How do you understand what's 30 degrees? I get that the arch is not a U-shaped arch, and as you can see, the blue markings, the, the arch kind of looks kind of flared to the left. And as you move forward and look on her lower arch, that box and lid looks just a little tight. However, the front part of the lid is sticking forward. Midline is completely off. Can you fix that? Nope. Greater than 2 millimeters would be difficult. I always talk about the wet articulating bite check first. Take Vaseline, take your articulating paper, wet it, and if it's dots in the back and sliders in the front, you are thumbs up. In her case, she had no anterior bite, and she only had, an, as you saw, she had a class two bite, so she didn't have an ideal bite. So predominantly, she's a class two that would need additional interapproximation or extraction of the bicuspids both of which she refused to do because she was not only pregnant, but she didn't want to have wire and brackets during pregnancy. So in this particular case, as we see what we treated her with and what my decision was is simply a liner-only treatment. That rotation on tooth number 27 we talked about, how can we tell it's greater or less than 30 degrees? Simple. I draw a line as you advance the, um, the forward button. You, I draw a line and the y-axis and the x-axis on a teeth. Just an imaginary line on the buccal surfaces of molar to canine will give me my x-axis. And an imaginary line that goes perpendicular to that on the lower anteriors, that would make my 90 degrees. Looking at the rotation of this tooth, half of that will give me the 45. So this tooth is just rotated a little bit beyond the 35 degrees, maybe just about 40 degrees. And if you look at this perpendicular line that we've made on the upper arch, and as we advance the slide forward, you can see where the anterior of tooth number nine and the uh, tooth number eight and the lower cuspid of 27 are both rotated just a little bit above and the about 40 to 45. Again, we're just eyeballing it. What does this tell us, Dr. Time? Well, I know that I can predictably rotate teeth of 30 degrees or less. Now, in her particular case, she's got some vestibular issues and black triangles, so maybe I can meet the rotations halfway as I procline the laterals forward. As I procline the lateral forward and upright these teeth, I don't necessarily have to rotate the entire 45 degrees. 
giving me this arch that you see. As you see, we lost on the midline, but that's just an imaginary line for us to kind of use. Most patients don't know what a midline is. As dentists, I like to use that as my guide, whether or not I can line this patient up evenly on both sides. As you can see, she's still a class two, and our goal is to make sure that the bite is landing properly so we don't have any TMD issues. And this is now nine months into her program, and as you can see, she's actually given birth. I think this is actually uh, just uh, almost a week post giving birth, and she had twins, by the way, uh, uh, and uh, very, very healthy children. And in 11, I think we moved forward with the next slide that shows me the progress where we completed her case. I think the entire treatment was just about 10 months and that's her before and after with the uprighting of the posteriors, rounding out, not necessarily correcting the entire 45 degree of the central incisor, but rather meeting it halfway, and as we procline the lower teeth forward, giving you a much better anterior coupling. Again, I approach these cases from a GP standpoint. I'm only doing it as a cosmetic and functional, making sure the bite is settled and it's the bite setting. The occlusion is what we like to call to make sure that these patients, where we have in the next case, that they have a severe overjet, they actually have a canting. In his case, he's got spacing of greater than six millimeters, so I know that I'm going to, as I lingualize these teeth back, we're gonna have issues with possible recline, and to kind of lock these teeth in, we may need to put the spaces distal of the canine or consider some restorative. If you see the ClinCheck in this, in this particular case, you actually notice that the spacing and the overjet on your upper left screen is greater than four millimeters. In the slide next that you see, you actually can see the before and afters on the patient where his face, the actual, you know, one of the byproducts on Invisalign, it grows hair. That's a little joke for you guys out there. But when you look at the facial profile, his profile actually changed by us proclining the lower forward, reclining the upper back. And this is something that's important, the actual soft tissue changes that take place. So when you actually see the teeth in his smile line, in the next slide, you actually see the amount of overjet was greater than four millimeters, but reclining him back, he still has a minor spacing issue that we have to deal with. But in the posterior bite, they're settled just right and they're fitted perfectly. So I knew going into the treatment, he's going to have an overjet that's greater than four and spacing issues that's greater than six. Without even doing the ClinCheck software, I knew that his finish, he may have a canted smile on the left a little bit because when you saw his initial smile line, it wasn't perfectly aligned nicely. And when you look at the overjet, it looks much better by reclining the teeth back. However, there's limitations because to do additional, I would have to do more IPR on the lower, more IPR on the upper to recline him back and possibly risk the profile shift of greater than what his face can adhere. So in the next slide, you actually see his before, his smile line that I was explaining to you earlier, especially on that nine and 10 area uh, teeth numbers. And trying to correct that smile line, it looks much better, but if you get really picky and they say, Dr. Ty, your leveling isn't ideal, number nine, 10 should be up higher. I get that, but we can only do two millimeters of intrusion. And initially, if you look at his before set pictures, he has that canting, that 9 and 10 and 11 that's dropped in. So to do two treatments in one, meaning you recline back and intrude, that would take additional time. So for him, the patient was happy, the bite was settled, and he was very happy with his smile line. I'm done. In terms of relative extrusions, this is where doctors always see their patients. We have to find out how did they get this situation? Because you have to make sure you have a stable finish for your retention because they can come back with that spacing again. This is a case not done by me, by, by another doctor. And when he sent the case to me, he says, how do I keep this case without proclining forward again? And my answer was, some of the GPs that asked me this question, you have to have the best retention. But guess what? If you look at this patient and the big movement in the, in the sleep apnea or the airway, they talk about the muscle, and especially the tongue muscle, and tongue can, being considered muscle, that causes some of these deformities and malocclusions. Now, if you look at the airway from prior in his treatment, and then you look at the airway next, 
you can actually see as we advance forward, we can actually see that the actual airway opened up on the right side. And this is where the big movement is in patients when they have better occlusion and healthier bite, they get to get much better sleep because their tongue is positioned differently. Whole different lecture, but a lot of soft tissue involvement. So I'd like to discuss an, a final case with you where this particular patient was actually a scenario where he lived in Oregon. Um, his case was that he was told Invisalign will not work. It looks like a train wreck. He's got canines that are actually going up and the angulation of the root is not ideal. Reclining those teeth back at four millimeters, we'd have to extrude. The crowding, as you can see, is just pushing the envelope on the six millimeters. And his bite on the posterior, he's actually class one bite. Not a bad case, but he's got that square-looking upper arch and square-looking lower arch. I approached this as if I was setting denture teeth. He lived in Oregon. How he's moving to California? Well, his grandmother lived here. He said, I have to visit twice a year, so I'm more than happy to come. Guess what I did, folks? No problem. We can get it started as long as you're compliant because I know what, as the teeth recline back, like that canine number 11 that's sticking out, it will give the appearance of it getting extruded. As long as he wears the aligners and there's enough spacing, which we did about 0.3 of IPR on both upper and lower arches, then I know... I can get that anterior teeth and resolve of that crossbite following the same rules as I mentioned earlier. And his goal was that he can't come every six weeks. I, I can do my own strippers. Now, I've done this before, folks. There's nothing uh, uh, that I've uh, uh, It's my only treatment. It's my advice. You guys don't can follow it or don't. I sometimes give those hand strippers to my patients, and I tell them when you floss, if the contact's too tight, just go in between and strip a little bit away. Guess what? Those strippers are just like your diamonds. There's only so much you can use them. You cannot strip away the entire enamel. So as long as they have a light contact, not a problem. And that's what Carlos was doing. He was actually using the yellow stripper, which is a .01, and making sure the contacts are light. I saw him. This is the second time. Uh, this is the first time I saw him. And as you see the next slide, uh, in about we're, we're talking about the relative extrusion on tooth number 11. As teeth kind of get extruded, the canine appears that it got longer, so I knew that it's going to give the illusion and getting his bite right. And this is when I saw him, not an ideal bite. Remember, folks, I saw this patient three times in this nine, almost nine-month treatment. This patient was wearing it diligently, and he's actually one of my best cases without doing much chair side. He's appreciative. Tooth number eight needed to have a crown done. We found him a doctor in Oregon that he's having that treatment done, but he was very happy. Although when you look at it, the lower teeth don't look ideal. Why? Because there wasn't enough interapproximation done. There wasn't enough crowding or spacing, any kind of, uh, I'm sorry, crowding that, was, that enough spaces made. Well, that was one of the uh, stipulations going into the treatment. He was okay with that. He understood. But look at the canine, how it settled. And as we lingualized and reclined back, gives it the appearance of the relative extrusion. And these patients are in your office every day. If you look at his teeth, we're going to go ahead and give him a holly that is going to be an open so in order to allow that the molars to drop in. Cases like this, I don't necessarily, I did put a six wire retention canine to canine. I don't like to do an upper uh, retention just yet because I want those teeth to settle down so we don't put any type of liner or any type of 040 or SX or any kind of clear liner for retention. Rather, just simply let him sleep at night with an open holly and allowing the posterior teeth to drop in and you're clasping the canine so that way it does sit. That's an ideal situation for these cases, as you can see, for the posterior bite to settle and, and everything land nicely. Not bad for a case that's done in nine months and seeing the patient. So the question is, is Invisalign profitable? Dr. Tai, I got it. You can do it clinically, but is it something that's going to make me money? Let me tell you, standard of care, as I always tell you, and keeping your doors open and being profitable are two paradoxes. It's a very hard balance for us to keep, but patients with malocclusions, and if we understand that it affects the patient's health, 
and the potential consequences of malocclusion in our office we see and the tartar buildup, the periodontal disease, the inflammatory process that starts, the abfractions, the recession, the bone loss, the mobility, all these, like in Carlos's case, is a problem that affects the health. The byproduct of having better teeth and straighter teeth is having a beautiful smile. So for me, I like to use this as an educational tool for my patients. So in the hygiene chair, in the next slide, as you see, we always discuss that these treatments need to be identified and addressed right away. You need a team commitment. So those hygienists and team members that are listening to these, they need to understand proactively, they need to look for malocclusions. They need to educate the patients on the consequence of malocclusion. And we've done a great job in creating pamphlets, but what I'd like to discuss is a couple of things. Is the, the system, I always like to call it. What system do you implement? Because I want to make sure that the communication flow is there. I want to make sure that the hygienist to patient communication is there. I want to also make sure that the doctor and hygienist are communicating because the doctor needs to confirm what the hygienist actually found. Most importantly, I need to make sure that the office manager and the teamwork is there. So let me give you the flow. One of the things I've always liked talking about is talking about the periodontal probe and, and the Invisalign prescription pads. Those are, those, are, those are some things that you can actually go in the store, a line store, and download. It's a triplicate that shows the patient's malocclusion of what these teeth look like. The camera is always great to take a, a quick shot, or even if you take the intraoral camera and showing the lower anterior crowding, because out of those 10 patients that you see in your office, at least one or two of them will have that mandibular crowding that they may want to know what it's all about. So I want to make sure that you have the downloaded of the Straight Talk video. So these are just simple things that every day our patients get to see. If they don't, every six months we're going to check their gums, we're going to educate them, but my hygienist needs to actually check the crowding and spacing as well. My hygienist needs to make sure that she's documenting this overlapping because we know mesial drift is a fact, and we know that these teeth eventually may need some sort of minor tooth movements to get those stop, those plaque buildup. So it starts in the hygiene chair. And the communication, I like to call the ESR system. Educate, straight talk video, and the prescription form, the RX form. This prescription form is a triplicate that simply talks about if the patient has a crowding, as you see, and what day is the best for the patient, a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because we don't want to discuss that with the patient right away. I never use the word Invisalign when I see the first patient on the first initial exam. I talk about the overlapping of teeth and some of the options of us trying to resolve that, and the patient at that point makes the decision. I simply want to give them the information of their health. That's it. I don't want to sell them a product. So if they're interested in learning more about it, what day is best for them? A Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, or what time? And I guide the patient into the day where I now sit down and talk to them coherently about malocclusion, about their teeth and what options we have in correcting them. And if I can't correct it, I give them an ortho referral. And that's, that's the second option. So the hygienist's role is to probe and to make sure that she's checking the crowding and spacing as well. And this really takes a mindset, a change. You know, I know those hygienists listening saying, Dr. Ty, you want me to do more work? No, I just, I just want you to take the perioprobe and hold it horizontally and just give me a brief idea of whether or not this patient is greater or less than six millimeters. Because if it's something less than six millimeters of crowding or spacing, we can do that in my practice. If it's outside of that, I have other options of the ortho uh, adonis nearby. So I'd like to make sure that each tool is given to each assistant or staff or team member. The perioprobe, straight talk, and the prescription form. That's all. She sends that up front with the chart, and the prescription form that you see is simply filled out. The patient's name, they have greater or less than six millimeter crowding, overjet overbite, doctor tied to evaluate treatment options, and the patient makes the appointment. Educating my patient why this is important about the crowding or spacing of the 246 rule is important because this is what we're going to use as our guide for our office. So, as you see, the periodontal probe is just not an instrument that you cannot have in your basic setup. It has to be in your basic setup. Now, let's talk about the RDAs. Let's talk about the DAs. 
What is their role? What do they do in trying to guide this treatment plan of ours? Well, first and foremost, the DA's role, sometimes they call the patient back. They simply bring the patient in the back and seat the patient down, and the patient at that point is getting what? X-rays. Those x-rays, the entire time that the dental assistant, as they're putting on this bib, they're wondering of whether or not they're getting radiated. Are they getting radiated? Are they, are they, are they having x-rays taken? Well, yes. Then why are you hiding behind a wall, dental assistant, if there's no radiation? And even if we say it's 99.9% .9 radiation-free, still the patient doesn't buy it because we're hiding behind some wall or some area of, 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 of uh, 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 where the x-rays are being taken. So I usually tell the team, play the straight talk video. This is the best time to play the straight talk video. So as the patient is watching the video, now that patient takes away from the idea of x-rays being whether or not they're getting radiated, but rather whether or not they have this treatment that needs to be done, whether or not their gums are suffering. And those of you who have not seen the Straight Talk video, it's a beautiful video. You have to call your territory manager, but you can also go on learn.com backslash straight talk video or invisalign.com and just or simply YouTube Straight Talk. And these are things that your patient needs to be aware of. The brochure that goes with it, next slide, is, a, 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 is the actual part, not only as it have a QR code that they can actually watch the video at home if they like, but give them an educational tool of why it's important to resolve your crowding or spacing. Now, this is simple. It, you just simply have to do one or two things, educating. We've never yet still used the word Invisalign. As you can see on that Straight Talk video, none of that on that pamphlet has in the word Invisalign on it, just about crooked teeth. Now the doctor's role is to come in, be the hero, and see whether or not that treatment plan is warranted. Now they come back on a Monday or Wednesday or as they're choosing because we went through that weed out process of them saying, no, I don't want to do it or I do want to do it, and now I get to sit down from that prescription board, talk about what we can do for them. Give them a treatment plan, which fillings need to be changed, which crowns need to be uh, resolved first. Is it a perio problem if a phase two is needed, or whether or not I can resolve their crowding or spacing. This is simply what happens every day in my practice. Is it profitable? Absolutely. You're going to have a positioning where at one point, Patients that are coming in are going to wonder whether or not they can benefit from this, and then they'll ask you how much. My entire goal is to, for them to ask how much and what can I use to get these teeth straightened. I don't want to do wire and brackets because if it's a six millimeters or less or, or falls into that formula, the crowd, uh, formula over jet overbite and the 30-degree rotations or less, for me, that's a case I can do within this line only. So as you see on the next slide, my main goal is handling the objections the compliance, the pricing. And when they come in and say, my teeth have been like this you know, for years. Why do I need to worry about it now? I want to talk to them about what's going to happen 20 years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now. And those patients who think that they want to just wait, not a problem. I'm not trying to sell them anything. I just educated them. That's the best time of spending because we did do a treatment plan of some restorative if there's any. We didn't waste our time. So we did educate, and in six months or a year or two years, they will come back, just like the other two patients you saw earlier. They will come back, and they will want to do it. We just planted the seed in talking to them. And if money is their issue, there's a lot of sample flyers that your territory managers have access to, which you can actually send out. And if you want to run an incentive of some sort of program, as you see in the next slide, if you want to have a program where you have your Invisalign promotion or educating the patients and you want to maximize your case starts, there is options. You know, we have a program that I'll introduce a little bit later that I've been actually doing a lot and it's just sending a text or email to my patients of who, who've been talked to about Invisalign, who kind of are the ones that money was an issue or they didn't want to do it. And we just simply send out a text once every six months or once every three months, depending on you know, the availability of, of me and, and not being on the road, but rather in the office, of talking about $1,000 off for the first 10 callers that respond back to this text or email. And, you know, when I do treatments like this and, you know, we put out to uh, almost 700 patients, we did this once, we got about 54 calls that wanted to get 
this additional $1,000 off the treatment plan. So again, there are flyers that can promote your Invisalign treatments. Reach out to your territory manager and your partner, and they'll help you. You see in the next slide, I've put together some promotions of my own where in one area we've put down the $500 off. We do talk about the monthly payments rather than the entire treatment. I never present the patient $5,000 or $5,500. I do tell them the monthly. It's a couple hundred bucks a month because they're going to ask you, dentists, how much is it? Okay, I get that you're trying to do this. How much is it? Well, a couple hundred bucks a month, but, you know, Amanda can help you on the front and kind of go through some of the options we've got. I want to put a number for them. Again, this is just a sample for you. This is some things that have worked for me predictably, and I like to pass that on. And as we move forward in our uh, front office, when they come and talk to them, they're always going to want to know, you know, what are some of the experiences that you've had with orthodontics? Because they're going to want to know, is it hurt? You know, I used to, I had braces, I hated them. Or, you know, I can't afford them to get my teeth straightened now. And not a problem. Thank you for coming in today. We have an Invisalign day where we're taking an additional amount off. This happens once every five or six months. Just watch for that uh, promo of ours to pop up. And the reason why we do that, because we do get some special rebates when we do a lot of cases, and Align kind of helps us with these rebates, and we like to pass that on to our patients. The assistance role is most important because they're going to want the trustworthy. And I, I have almost all my uh, team in Invisalign treatments. Uh, my front office is doing Invisalign, my hygienist, my back office, and there's always a type-in or, or, or something, some sort of a line that's laying around so they can see because they're going to want the trust factor there. So the patient case portfolio or the team case gallery photos, these are very good for you to show not only to the patients, but again, call your territory managers, make sure they come over and help you load these things and getting you started. Now, let's move forward about the doctor, because I always like to talk about what, you know, what happens to the doctor and what happens uh, over the phone, because you know, the, the, the over the phone conversations are important. Uh, they're going to call and, and, and they're going to want to schedule an appointment, uh, and patients typically ask, how much is Invisalign? And I always have said, the best answer is you ask the patient, instead of come in, what's your insurance, we'll do a free consult, ask them how much is your spacing or crowding? How much is your malocclusion? And this is important because when Mrs. Smith calls or, or, or you call her back in getting an appointment, they want to be educated. It's true that they're asking you how much it is, but you can tell them 3000 4000 a dollar. No matter what price you give them, still they're not satisfied. But when you turn around and ask them how much is your crowding or spacing or malocclusion, they're like, my what? My spacing? My malahu? What does that mean? Well, Dr. Tai will spend some time. Or did you remember Dr. Tai speaking to you? Because I'm just following up from your appointment, and it looks like the Dr. Tai diagnosed you with a need for Invisalign. And I wanted to find out if that's something that you, we have an upcoming Invisalign day. We have an upcoming day that's, that's going to help you additionally. These are the conversations over the phone that's important. Again, you can download these and, and look at them on your own and review them. And we, as we move forward in our slides, we want to make sure that the financial coordinator gives options. And these options are important of whether or not you're getting a cash discount, the insurance. All this homework should be done. Now, I ran one time where I told patients that we would match their down payment up to $500. So the patients were paying full fee, and I was writing a check back to them for $500. And this is some other options that they're actually walking away. And even if they got care credit of food for 24 months, when they pay the full fee, we're now giving them an extra $500. Basically, it's a $500 rebate or a discount. But what better for them to walk away? They got paid doing Invisalign in their mind. The reality of it is, you, instead of you selling at the discounted price, you sold it for the full price, and now you handed them the $500 check. It really worked well in some of my other promos that we ran. I have a professional fee. We do have an iTero scanner. I do put a charge of $150 per scan. And we have retainer fee separately and insurance less. And if they start that day, they have a discount where they scan, iTero, and all these things will be inclusive. So I do want to break down the treatments in case so they have value for not only the iTero because they can have 
an impression of PVS for free. Or they can have a scan for 150 But if they start today, the scan will be included. So that's typically we create the urgency in them starting that day if they choose to, if they're really excited about getting their teeth. Because out of 10 patients you've talked to, one or two of them are going to want to know how much. And at that point, we're now presenting this sheet to them and prepared. So the treatment coordinators have a lot of homework to do once the patient seems that they've already scheduled. Because you want to show value in what you are getting in this treatment plan, okay? Now, there is quick little blurbs that I've added on the slides about how to talk to patients. Now, I do have uh, a, a, a great team that has been helping me and do this, and the new patient group there actually in Texas has given me some of this dialogue, and it's been so great, and talking about we never want finances to be a reason as to not move forward with your treatment. We offer several financial options, and then we can just list out the options of the care credit, the, the, the different options, and these are some of the things I've added in the slides for you guys to preview later on, as well as the upcoming Invisalign special event, which will take an extra month. We want to give hope to the patients, and these patients we write down on the lead patient list. And these are simply those prescriptions, those pink sheets. There's a white prescription, a yellow, and the red, the pink that you saw, the malocclusion prescription sheet. These pink now all go, and once every month we revisit these. And we actually try our best in contacting these patients, whether email or text, in getting these patients back. Now, my final leg of this lecture. But... Is Invisalign profitable, Dr. Tai? Because you're doing all this song and dance. Is this something that we can actually do? And the answer is absolutely. We have new patients, increased production, and reducing of overhead. So I'm going to give you a couple of more options for those doctors who are still weary. Number one, when I started to do Invisalign, I, I, back in the day, I never ran tracking or numbers of, of, of different treatments of whether I'm doing fillings, whether I'm doing crowns, or whether I'm doing Invisalign. So I started looking at the numbers. In 2011, my pricing was about $5,100 for Invisalign. Retainers were not included. Retainers were always extra. Now, what happened was the idea was I don't want to be a discount office. Every time I've discounted a patient, I, I, it's been a thorn in my side. I've spoken about that many times before. But what if I do a little bit of price reduction and try to see if the results will increase? And keeping my elite status and making sure I get the rebate checks. And what if I can reduce my clin check or watching the amount of time I'm spending because I've reduced my price point? So I dropped my price point to 4100 just as a test. What happened was at, from 98 cases that were shipped in 2011, my price point of reduction of, to $4,100 in 2012, we jumped up to 146 cases. That means that we had a 49% increase in Invisalign case starts. That's about a 27% increase in re revenue. Now, as you can see in the next slide, the idea here is not just to reduce your price, but have a plan. Have a plan because if you reduce your price, you want to make sure that your chair side, once you start looking at the lab fee, which is about the fifteen or $1,600, and, and those of you who are still using impressions, we're about $50, upper and lower refinements, mid-courses, all those other things. The staff overhead, all right, as well as the retention, which is about 275 and maybe if you're doing financing, okay, if you're, if you're third-party financing of, of, of typically anywhere between 7 to 10%, at that point, and we also, I always add the home bleaching, $40 home bleaching, when you look at this, you start to see that the gross profits are about 1800 And when you look at the hourly rate, you're about $619. Still not bad, because remember, I want to now just reduce the pricing to get more cases. Now, what can I do to increase my hourly rate? What can I do to reduce the overhead? Now, understand there is a rebate check that as you do these cases, a line will send you. That's not calculated in the formula. And as you can see in the next slide, the, the breakdown for me in making sure that I understand is maybe using a third-party solution to possibly bring in not only new patients, but possibly a third-party solution in trying to get the 
treatments or clean checks accurate. So I reduce my refinements. Like in Carlos's case you saw, I saw him only three times chair side. I have again and again patients that I have seen minimal chair side, which now increases my hourly rate in trying to get more restorative and crown and bridge treatments. So the impact to patient-to-patient referral also increases. And using this third party in, uh, called Clear TPS, they actually help in setting the ClinCheck systems, setting your ClinCheck to an ideal position of T so I don't have to sit behind and wonder whether or not it's an outcome that's going to be achieved. In the next slide, as you see, my goal here is to understand what is the outsourcing program. Can I do this third party, and it's again not an Invisalign endorsed program, it's not from Align Technology, it's something that I stumbled with when I was in England, and I used them, and again, the new patient group that's kind of helped me in revamping my practice and making sure my hourly Invisalign rate is high. And most importantly, as we move forward in the next slide, most importantly, I want to make sure that the benefits of partnering with a third party is that I could do more Invisalign and grow my Invisalign practice. So we have to get help, just like your front office. Last uh, ATEs, you've, you've heard me talk about hiring an Invisalign specialist, meaning a, 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 a front office or somebody that helps the treatment coordination of Invisalign only. I call her my Invisalign specialist. That may work for you as well, but the ClinCheck still lie on the doctor. You can get a receptionist that's anywhere between 15 to 25 an hour, depending on where you're at. At that point, she will only do your Invisalign patients. That's great. Scheduling, booking, talking, finances, all that bit. You're basically running a practice within a practice with hiring and additional help. Or you can reduce your overhead in making sure that you're doing less of this stressing of whether or not treatment are coming and having your office have a nice flow to it. These are your two options because you, in order to grow your Invisalign practice to where now we are seeing anywhere between 150 to 160 cases annually, multiply that by the 41 or $4,500 mark and take out the overhead, now you've got yourself at least a $2,000 um, net. That's a pretty good revenue base. You're talking that over 10-year time period, it's $1,500,000, which is an additional production of $150,000 a year. That's very tangible, and if you are a preferred provider, there is also the aligned rebate check that I talked about. Next slide, please. And it's simple. You basically log on, and you can actually... Um, put in your username and password that you've created. You can use the same aligned username and password if you like, but again, it's a third-party solution. It's not endorsed by Invisalign. They are HIPAA compliant, and we simply send out the ClinChecks over, and you get to view it and accept it as you wish. So again, most importantly, it's a case evaluation. If you're not sure if a case works or not, you can also have it be evaluated of whether or not this is a good case for you to take or not. These are all simple packages that are put together. Again, I always like to come up with different solutions for offices, and my next slide will give you the solution of trying to get new patients into your practice and talking about more, being even more profitable because you will now shoot your hourly rate to $746. So you're going to be a little bit over a $700 mark, increasing your bottom line, making sure that being at even a lower price point, you're actually promoting it, preaching it, presenting it, and your case acceptance going up additional 20% with the additional revenue of coming in of crown and bridge and fillings. And we now know that Invisalign patients tend to stay to the office much longer than doing a single crown or a root canal maybe on a patient. So at a full treatment, they t tend to get additional treatments that go adjunct to Invisalign with the restorative, and this will continue your practice being even more profitable. So is there questions about Invisalign being more profitable? Well, let's a little talk a little bit deeper about getting new patients in. And again, I always like to talk to my patients through a network of some sort, texting or email. I don't want my, my team to sit behind a phone and try to um, 
call patients in or ask them why they haven't come in for their last hygiene. I like to do it by mailers, by Facebook. All of this that, for me, it's automated a couple hundred bucks a month. I'm more than happy to spend in not having to deal with patient confirmations. And again, that's another tip that I always bring to my patients, and that's what I use in sending out my email and text of to 700 Invisalign patients that I had talked to, and they did not accept the treatment. They were kind of on the fence about it. But then again, when the email went out and the text went out of the first 10 callers with $1,000 off, we actually did a 56K start. I know we said the first 10, but the reality was we were not going to turn down anybody who's trying to take an extra $1,000 off. And for our price point, we're not going to go below a certain number, which is that usually that $4,200 mark. So I hope you've enjoyed today's lecture. I know we, I, I always like promoting my two sons as they grow and when I grow into my Invisalign practice. And those of you who have questions, that you have my email at atidmd at gmail.com. I appreciate your time today. Well, Dr. Atai, thank you so much for a wonderful presentation. I just want to remind everyone um, on the screen right now is that link to go take the survey and obtain your CE certificate. If you had any uh, issues uh, listening to today's program, it will be archived one week from today on the Education tab of your Invisalign doctor site. Once again, Dr. Uh, Tai, thank you for a wonderful presentation and for all of you for joining us today on another Ask the Expert webinar. And we look forward to seeing you again. Thanks very much. Thank you.